Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Today, let's pray together for this sermon. Lord God, we're going into our second installment of this uh, love series, and I just ask you to help us to communicate your love in a very real and tangible way, Lord God. We can all love in, in very different ways. We can all love in very different degrees of love because we may have been shown that. That might be what was modeled to us, but God, I'd ask you to help us embrace and encounter your love. Amen. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. I think it's really important that I give you visuals. And so in giving you a visual, it's not easy always to come up with something that makes good sense, but I think I can do that today. Um, I I, I need somebody that's a fast runner, though. Anybody known to be a pretty fast... uh Uh-oh, Tanner got flagged. Uh, Let's see. Let's let's use somebody that um, is really embarrassed when they get up here. Let's use Tanner. <laughs> Tanner, can you come up here? I need you to play God for a few minutes. And then I need somebody who's not as fast. Don't point at me. Someone who's not as fast. Seth, could you come and help us out? All right. Well, we're, I know you're fast, but I don't know that you're this. I don't know if you're Tanner fast. All right. So, Tanner, I'm going to have you stand right over here. You play God. And today we're talking about God's love. And sometimes when we think about God's love, we think about how much we love him and how much our love is toward him for what he's done for us. Truly, that's great. And we were talking about Lazarus in the Bible last week about how his family, Mary and Martha, had sent a letter to Jesus and said, Lord, the one you love is sick and dying. And they were motivating Jesus to come back and pray over Lazarus or do whatever that would ever needed to be done to cause a miracle to take place because their brother Lazarus was dying. And so when they went to motivate him, they said, the one you love. And so we were talking about God's love is so amazing that whenever they were going to motivate him to come to a miracle, they said, it's your love that will bring you back to pray for our brother. Because not, not our love, not how much we love you, but it's your love for him. And so Jesus waited a little bit, didn't he? Waited a couple of days. But now God's love, this is going to represent God's love. And the way we see it sometimes is that we're chasing down God. So what I'd like to have happen here is, is I'd like for this to represent us chasing God with our love. And you're going to be God who's running ahead of him and you're not going to let him catch you, are you? No. Okay, so by the time you get one lap around the room is about the time I want you to stop. No matter how far you get ahead and no matter how far you get behind, I want you to keep running till you have circled the room, okay? So this, if this is our love and this is God, And we serve God based upon how much we can chase after and get a hold of the love of God. This is what that would look like. Go. (laughs) Oh, oh, look at it. Oh, nice. Oh, see? All right, good job. Give him a big hand. Stay here. That was pretty good. Are you winded? A little bit. (laughs) He's trying not to be winded. 
that's hard. And now imagine how great and how big God is compared to our senses and our capabilities to run after how big he is. The distance between Tanner and Seth is microcosm compared to how far the distance is between us, our love reaching for God and God's love reaching for us. Now I'd like to switch it around because this is really what it looks like. We're not chasing God's love. It's really God who fell in love with us a long time ago in this battle that fell out of heaven and came to earth and God chasing after us. For God so loved, we, we hit John 3.16 last week, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he gave a gift, amen? So this is really what love looks like from God. On your mark, get set, go. He didn't even resist it, did he? Smart man, right? No reason to run from something you can never get away from, amen? Give God a big hand. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Give them a big hand for their help. That's what God's love looks like. And so when we start to process God's love in a way that we look at God based upon how much we can love him, we realize we're so inept. We're so unable to love him because all of us have either had damage or we've had relationships that didn't work out right where we don't trust. Anybody have any trust issues? Oh, should I go there? Amen. Sometimes we have trust issues that comes from broken loves in our life. Sometimes we've had things we've invested in that we really loved but didn't love us back at the same level. And, and maybe all we knew was filio, that human love of reciprocation. I do this for you. You do things for me. I love you. You love me. I give you gifts. You give gifts back. I, I spend time thinking about you and loving you, and you spend time thinking and loving about me. But some of us have been in relationships where we've given a whole lot more than we receive back, and it kind of hurts, amen? Because life has a way of doing that. And yet, guess what? Some of us have really big hearts, amen? And some of us can be hurt very simply and very easily, but I promise you, God will never hurt you in the fact that his love will always be present in your life. You cannot escape him. You can't not get higher than him. You cannot go below his reach. God is always there. His grace is ever sufficient and he's ready and able to love you out of every broken moment, every broken need, every broken place. He's able to do that because I'm a testimony of it and I still stand today in the love of God because I stopped chasing him down and started letting him chase me down. When I turned my life around, it was really because I said, Lord, I surrender. Come and get me. If you want my life, my breath, my hope, my living, everything I do, my job, everything that I touch has to have his name working through me because he has loved me with an everlasting love. And we spent some time on God's agape love and John telling us that God so loved the world, the world meaning bad system, bad people. God loves bad people. Did you know that? He loves good people. He provides salvation for us if we obey his word because the word says God so loved. The word so, we talked about being an obsessive love, but really if you break it down in the Greek, the so is actually there. The so love is there saying that God loved us so much that he gave himself to death. He gave himself, the son of God came and robed himself in the sense that God would give a gift of life where we needed it. 
and he loved us that much. Agape is simply beyond our comprehension, but it isn't out of our reach, amen? Because his spirit puts love in our heart for things we never thought we could love. Now, there's people that are obviously well able to speak on the topic of love much more capable than I am. Amen. But I have the duty of doing so, and I have the microphone today. So you can have the microphone another day. But God's love that I want to teach you about today is what I like to call now love, present love. Because if God didn't have present love, how could he ever love us at all? Because we would be constantly at odds with God. He would be constantly angry with us, and justifiably so. Because he would know what we're going to do on our 47th birthday when we're on our 27th birthday. He would know whether we were going to be good next week, next month, whether we were going to say things we shouldn't next year, whether we were going to hurt him with running away from him or hurt him with feeling pressure in our environment that we live in, in our, our school environment and the things that we do, and whether we would not show him in front of others the way we should. And he would know that, and he could be hurt by it, and he would be justified for it because he's God and he knows all things. And that's why it's important that we understand that in relationships there are several things you just don't bring up, amen? There are really three words I'd like to give you today, and I want to start with Matthew 4 and 23 and read you a quick passage of Scripture before I go there, because 4 and 23 tells us what Jesus does with his love. How many know that Jesus' love has action to it? Amen, somebody. And Jesus went about all Galilee, verse 23 of chapter 4 of Matthew, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout Syria and they brought unto him all sick people. I would say all sick people. Didn't say all the saved people that were sick. Didn't say all the people that knew who Jesus was, that he was the Messiah. Didn't say anything about any qualifiers except for they were sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those which had palsy. There was a disease that that was very difficult, very disabling to the human body. And he did what? He asked them about their giving record to the church. He asked them if they had been kind to their neighbor. He asked them, well, have you not cussed this week? Have you controlled your anger? Have you not had some road rage? No, he didn't ask any of that. Besides, in those days, if you had road rage, it'd be like bumping off donkeys. Like, (laughs) to drive your horse off, drive their cart off. It wouldn't even be road rage. It'd be like donkey wars. Or something, I don't know. It'd be craziness. But there's three words that I found out in a relationship that you have to do in order to show love. Because Jesus healed a lot of people just because he loved them. Amen, somebody. Love is an action verb. I like to make love verb in my relationship in the sense that because God knows my future and he doesn't leverage my future on my present, And because he knows my past, even though he forgives my past and covers it in his blood and it's erased by that redemption and it's erased and justified, he is a God who cannot forget anything. Even though you might have been taught that God forgives and God forgets, how can God forget if he's God and he's all-knowing? 
It's impossible for God to forget something that you've done. The thing that he does is he covers it under the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ and no longer acts upon that information. He said, that is put away and done with. When I look there at your past, all I can see is the blood of Jesus Christ covering it because you have been washed in the blood that saves, amen? And I'm grateful for that. So he doesn't leverage our past and he doesn't leverage our future. And so there's three words you should never use to do the same in any relationship where you have love. You should never use the word always. You always say, have you ever had someone do that to you and really irritate the fire out of you? You always do this. And every time we get in this situation, you always spend too much or do too much or say the wrong... Um, don't use the word always because if you say always, you are actually causing the past, what they have done, to be present in the moment. And that's not fighting fair. How many know that you have disagreements with people you love? How many know you have to learn how to fight fair? It's very important that you, even though you have some fights, you have some disagreements, maybe you have, you don't fight, you don't call it that, you just have passionate interactions. I don't know, something, but... You never use the word always because your love needs to be like God's love, a now love, a present love. It doesn't matter if they're going to fail you tomorrow. It doesn't matter if they failed you in your past. You have to say, I love you when you're going to love somebody. You have to be able to say, I love you right now regardless of what happens tomorrow or yesterday. And so you never use the word always. You never use the word never. Never. I've used it a lot already. You never use the word never. Well, you never understand me, and you never try to help me, and you're never there for me. Have you ever seen someone use that word? And you know you've been there for them, and you know you've tried to help them, but they... They use the word never and they completely wipe out all of your good graces and all of your love for them. Amen? That is something you never do is use the word never. And you never, never, never use the word fat. <laughs> you do not use the word fat. Not in my household. My wife says, does this make me look? I just stop her there because I cannot answer that question. There's no good way to answer that question. So fat is off limits. I just want you to know. And that's because you love them. You won't use the word fat. You never use the word always. You never use never. And that other one, of course. Because you love them. And yes, even though you have disagreements, you have to realize that God's love is a right now love. And, you know, I, I realized this because when I was growing up, I was playing drums in church. But then I would go and I would do things with my friends that were not appropriate. And, I, and I, was, I was young, and I didn't know that God requires things of us. God wants us to walk with him. And, and I saw it as rules and regulations. Have you ever been there before? Like, ah, oh, that's just another one of those rules from the Bible and one of those regulations. But what you don't understand is that the rules and regulations that they're calling just rules and regulations are actually disciplines that keep you healthy, that keep you whole, and keep you from damage. Amen? 
It is not a rule and regulation that if I don't toe the line, then I don't get to go to heaven. It is God saying, if you will do these things, if you will walk after the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. He loves us so much, he gives us discipline. I don't know anybody who is a major athlete who has a coach in their life that says, the coach says, you're going to eat this, you're going to wear this when you compete, you're going to do this, you're going to show up early, you're going to stretch, you're going to do all these different things that, yes, may cause you a little bit of pain, but I don't see any professional athletes, Betty, going, oh, that guy, he just has all these rules and regulations for me to live by. No, they know they are competing for a prize, and the Bible tells us through Paul that we all run a race, and we all have to learn how to contend for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We have to learn how to get reward from God through our successes in living for him. And those things are not rules and regulations. Those things are disciplines that help you be successful. And so even though there are things we must do, I want you to know that God loves us so much that he'll heal and he'll save and he will deliver even if you run from him two years later. If you walk in here today and God fills you with his spirit and you, and you leave out of here with a beautiful experience with God and in three years from now, you don't even know how to find a Bible verse to help you, God still would fill you even though he knows that. And if you look at this scripture that I read, he healed all of them. So you have to understand God's love. He healed people who had hands that were hurt, palsy, different things. He healed bad people while he was loving them. He healed hands that would hit. He healed eyes that would lust. He healed feet that would run away. But he still healed them. Because his love is bigger than our love. He doesn't heal us based upon how we will perform. He heals us based upon his position. That he's a loving God. And that he'll never let you out of his reach. And no matter how far you run, and no matter how much you do wrong, God's definition of love is different from our definition of love. And he is purposeful in his love toward us. And because of his position in agape, because of who he is, he must love things that will run away and things that will do things that will not be right. And so, just so you know, there's a lot of people out there that are talking about, I've given up on religion. I'm leaving religion. I've lost my religion. Have you heard any of that? There's a lot of that right now. And really, there is some truth to it in the fact that religious rules and religious piety and all these things that people did just to fit in is not what God asked us to do. That was man's plan of chasing after God. And we already found out that doesn't work. You can't chase God and catch him properly. But when you look at the word of God, he said, if you're going to come to me, you have to come to me a certain way. And if we understand that, we will understand that his love is real and able for us to do anything. It's able to do anything. Consider the self-control of God's love, would you? 
How many would be able to control yourself if you love somebody and you knew they would reject you? How hard would that be in the human heart? Some of us have been there, love something that hurt us. And I know life has a way of doing these things to us, and, and relationships are not always perfect. I get that. But look at, look at the situation here where he just heals. He just helps. And so when I was dealing with this and dealing with my past, you know, I have a lot of luggage too, you know. One of those people that have good days and bad days. And some, some weeks in this church, I feel really healthy. And some weeks I come to preach and I'm dealing with stuff. And I'm lugging this invisible, invisible suitcase up here and I'm dealing with stuff that's going on in my life. And I'm trying to be a good father and I'm trying to respond and, and, and teach my children without venting inappropriately to them. I'm trying to do all of these things properly that I had never had a proper example of. I'm trying to love them with the love of God and let it pass through me and get unfiltered while it's going through me, which is the hardest thing to do, amen, is to have God's love go through you to somebody else and not filter it with your own, with your own problems, amen? But we have to learn how to love people the way God loved them. And so even though I drag things up here, I don't talk about all the things that I'm dragging behind me because those are my battle. Me and Jesus are taking care of those. But when we get here, I want you to know that whatever you drug into this place, you can leave it here if you'd like to. You can leave it at the cross and Jesus will help you to walk away from it. He'll help heal you no matter what it is. So living with great loss and poor example is not the best way to try to make a pastor, some would think. But actually, in the long run, I've learned the struggle of watching God work in my own life. So when someone comes to me with something and says, Pastor, I am really fighting this. I'm like, go ahead and tell me. And then we'll pray about it if you'd like. But we might as well just go ahead and pray because I've already been there and I've already beat that. Got the t-shirt, wore it out, washed my car with it. We've done this already. So I just want to tell you that you can be successful no matter what it is because nothing separates from God's love. Because God's love does great things. He died for you and I. Do you know that? I mean, do you really understand the depth at which he went to to show you his love? Had he only come and lived on the earth and died as a human being, maybe we wouldn't have realized the greatness of his love. But because he had himself so put in a place of of utter destruction, I mean, just you can't even tell the story of Jesus in video form without rating it R. Because it's so graphic what he went through to purchase us back. And brothers and sisters, that is why we cannot just do whatever we want to do with God's love. When we experience his love and when his love comes down and touches our hearts. And when he purchases us by baptism and by infilling of the Holy Ghost. And we become his. And I tell you that I am purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. That is true. And that he washed me in his blood. And that is true. But whenever his spirit fills me, it walks with me, goes with me everywhere I go. And now he's not just in me, chasing me around a sanctuary like we did there. But now he's literally working on the inside of me. And he will not let me get away with the things that others are allowed to get away with. 
Have you ever done something before? Maybe at work or maybe in in your family and others are all doing it. They're all getting away with it. It's okay. It's not really that big of a deal. But when you do it, the general manager calls you. Or when you do it, your boss sees it. Or you just happened to set something aside because you weren't going to do it at that time. And you were just saying, I'll get back to that. And the person that sees that and you're like, "Uh, I'm taking care of it. Don't worry about it. Do it right now. There's never an opportunity for the Christian life to get in a place where we get away with things because he purchased us with his love. And his love will not let you do anything that God does not design for you. And I promise you, I have been experienced in, in, in a lot of places I have experienced this where I try to help something or try to do something And God says, no, no, that's not the best way for you. I'm going to have you do it this way. Because his love is perfect, amen? And so he does not worry about what we've done or where we've been. That's why I like the fact that God says, today is the day of salvation. What, What does that really mean? I mean, I, I, I maybe, maybe I was saved already. Maybe I, I plan on walking with God the rest of my life. But whenever we come to the house of God, he says, today is the day of salvation. My love is present, real, and right now. And I'm chasing after you. Augustine said this. He said, God loves each of us as if there is only one of us to love. That's how God loves us. So if God's love is so present and powerful, Why is it that so many say they know his love but are not convinced of that fact? We leave here and we talk about God's love and if you tell people, hey, do you believe God loves you? Yeah. But they have to take medications to go to sleep and they have to see a psychologist twice a week and there's so many issues in their life because they don't experience the true overwhelming love of God that heals them and gives them a real rest. The truth of God's love is hidden with the nature of God's love. And understand this for me real quick, and, and I don't try to get too deep, but the truth of God is understanding the nature of God's love because of his character. So you cannot really know God's love until you know how God loves you and that he loved you by giving himself wrapped in flesh. God came down, put his hands out and said, I love you this much, took spikes in his hands and his feet, died on a cross and breathed his last breath saying, I love you with my life. That is the kind of love I've experienced. You can live uh, You can live under dark clouds of divine abandonment. You can really feel like God has abandoned you if you don't understand that his love was a gift of sacrifice. And so, I, I don't know about you, but I sometimes analyze the story that we dealt with last week where We're like, okay, God is love. He loves people. Mary and Martha sent the letter. God, the one you love. But if you go back and look at the scripture, it says, God, the one you filio. God never filios us the way we think he should. Like, because he did for you or because he loves you so much, Jesus, you love him and you should come and heal Lazarus. 
God would have, if he was there, he would have been like, you don't understand my love. My love is a God kind of love that's not like human love. I agape him. And that has no strings attached. And so when they said, God, the one you filio, I bet Jesus would have said, no, that's not it at all, Mary and Martha. Though you've got it right that my love is strong enough, I don't filio him. I agape Lazarus. But if I don't wait, I will do two things. Number one, I will not make it to the cross because the Pharisees were seeking to kill him, Maurice. And because of Lazarus's fame, you guys know this, I've shared it with some of you, because of Lazarus's fame, when Lazarus was in the house, people came to see Lazarus resurrected. And when Jesus was next to Lazarus, the Pharisees never had a moment to steal him, to kill him outside of Jerusalem and to take him away and kill him. So they had to crucify him, Maurice. Because Lazarus was the reason Jesus made it to the cross. So while they said, the one you love, God was saying, yeah, but my agape is going to save the world because I raise up Lazarus and he protects me to get to the cross. Do you see the beauty of how big God's love is in all that? He let Lazarus lay in a tomb for three days. And if you don't know, the Jewish custom of knowledge at that time was that if someone was dead for three days, their spirit was still floating around. And if they came back, then their spirit was in the area and could come back to the body. But the Jewish custom believed that after someone was dead for four days, it was done. It was over. They weren't coming back. There was no sickness that put them into a low heart rate. And they came out of that sickness. It wasn't their spirit was just separate from the body and came back Jesus specifically waited till the fourth day to raise Lazarus so that he would prove to the Jews that believe that that God can do anything he wants to do and he loves us enough to make sure that he was crucified for us and so we talk about God's love in a very special way here often and we talk about loving each other but the mercy of God is forgiving love. Do you know this? The grace of God is undeserved love. Really is all about love, isn't it? The peace of God is comforting love. The will of God is unerring love. The providence of God is caring love. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's proven love. Proven love sanctification holiness in god is nurturing love he takes us into holiness he teaches us how to be more like god it's nurturing love and heaven is god's rewarding love and eternity is god's unending love in the universal scope of all things god is love first john tells us that god is love isn't that true? And in some places where we read, where we talk, there's different places in the scripture. Romans talks about, for one would scarcely die for a righteous person. Through perhaps, and, and though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die, but God shows his love. He shows his love. Everyone say shows. He shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
God loves the world, amen? But he loves us coming out of the world. He can't leave us where he started to love us because his love is progressive. When his love touches you, even though he loved the world, he brought salvation so that he could love you out of the world. He could call you out into marvelous light. Amen. So if you've ever been touched by God's love, it's a progression. You cannot stay where he found you. Maybe you encountered God at a movie night. Who knows what would happen at Life Spring? We could have a movie night and someone could come down and start praying and God could touch you. Maybe you encountered God at another place. I, I, I know as a pastor, you can leave here and in 15 minutes... Watch some of the most amazing, gifted biblical communicators. I, I experience that because people send me links. Pastor, check out this message. And I know they're a better communicator than me, but I don't have to worry because I'm communicating about God's love, not how good I communicate it, but by how good he is and how much he has loved us. And if I can communicate in some way, something we do here, some event, somehow, if I can get to you God's love, if I can somehow filter through this church, unfiltered and just pure God's love you will experience something you've never experienced from a human being before you experience God's love and you feel like in any way that we have overwhelmed you or come and put our arms around you and loved you so much and you're like man I feel good when I come to life spring it is not the goodness of the people that are here even though we try to live holy righteous unto God but it is God's love that changed us it's God's love that took us and molded us and made us into somebody who can love people that don't deserve love and that can reach for sinners that he died for before he died for even me. I have to know that God loves people who are lost as much as he loves people who are saved. And when I do that, I promise you, I experience what Martin Luther said. God does not love us because we are valuable. We are valuable because God loved us. And if you have self-esteem issues, and if you have self-value issues, and if you feel like this world has painted people who are perfect in Hollywood, and you have to be like that, I'm sorry, you don't have to be like them. Because your value system must not be based upon what people say looks good, what people say is right. Your value system is found in the fact that God loved you. And you are worth something to him. You are worth so much to God. It gives power for us to be without fear when we know that. Because perfect love casts out all fear. When the Bible says fear God, it means awe, have respect for God, great awe of God. We don't have fear of God. We love him. He comes near. When my daughter messes up, have you seen my daughter, Eden? She's adorable. When she messes up and she comes to me, do you think I love her any less because she messed up? No, I pick her up in my arms and, and I hug her and I... And I call her my sweet stuff. And I still love her just as much as before she tripped up and messed up. And I want the best for her. And so I close with this question. If I can love her that much, when she's not perfect, how much more can a God whose love is so much higher than our love, love imperfect people, 
like us, all of us. And it would seem that God's love would be wasted, wouldn't it? If we thought God loved like we love, he loves people who will run away and he loves people who will hurt others maybe. And his love is present to help and heal, but yet they may never acknowledge him. I have a good friend of mine. I was actually his youth pastor for a little while. I'll finish with the story and the question. The question really is, why would Jesus cry at Lazarus' tomb when he knew he was going to heal him? Let that sink in while I tell the story to finish. My friend, I'm going to call him Brian, okay? Brian. He was in a church between the North and South Pole, somewhere in America, and he was born with only one lung. And as a baby, they took him to the hospital, took him regularly to get him checked, make sure that, see if he was going to be able to live and breathe off that one lung. And he, I don't know if he got sick. I can't remember the gist of the story because I wasn't there at the time. I, I met Brian, I'll call him, when he was a teenager. After the miracle. And they took this baby who was struggling to breathe and they took him to the house of God here in a place of worship. And they brought him down and they got the oil like the scripture says and they called for the elders of the church, men that had been living, women that had been living for God for a long time, walking in holiness and the beauty of holiness. And they just came over and they just anointed that baby with oil. And I believe he was somewhere around four or five at this time. He was still a baby, but yet young. And they prayed over him in Jesus' name. And they took him back to the doctor and they did x-rays and Brian had an entire right lung that was never there before. They have x-rays where the lung was missing and they have x-rays after the prayer where the lung is there. And it wasn't just one lung because his left lung wasn't as strong as a normal lung. It was smaller because it was deformed. And when he got a new lung on the right side that God put in his body through prayer and faith and the miracle that happened, it was enlarged. And when they checked the capacity, the enlarged lung was not only able to do the work of what a normal lung does, but it replaced what was broken in the other lung. The amount that this lung could not do, God replaced with a lung that was big enough to handle the deficiency and the damage of the other one. Because he doesn't just heal, he likes to make whole. Wouldn't you and I be a little bit more selective about who we would share our love with if we knew we thought it'd be wasted on them? It would be love lost. Wouldn't we be more selective? When the 10 lepers came to Jesus and and he knew that only one was going to come back and worship him. And he would say, be made whole. Because he loves to make things whole. Wouldn't you think that in his character, wanting to make something whole, he would hold off and not heal the other nine lepers? But no, he loves in the now. He loves in the present moment. And because God loves you right now, he wants to do whatever you need him to do in your life. Even if it means that he heals you and you don't see complete wholeness and you don't return to him and praise him for what he has done for you to where he says not only am I going to heal you but make you whole so God does not waste 
anything. Amen, Maurice? He doesn't waste anything. So why did Jesus cry? Do you know? There's two theories. Number one is he was weeping over every person that would stand at a grave and bury a loved one because death was not designed by God. It came with sin at the fall of man. And some believe Jesus wept over the hurt of the human heart to deal with death. And some believe that God's love is so in the moment that he took Mary and Martha and he said, if you want to cry, let's cry. Let's do it together. And so by fulfilling Romans 2, 12 and 15, it was never written. It wasn't even, Paul wasn't even converted yet. He was still Saul. If that, he was being trained to be Saul. But the word says, rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. Jesus fulfilled the word of God before it was even written because he wept with those that wept. That's what love looks like, amen. Would you stand with me? I believe, I believe that there probably was a custom clash going on in a, in a, in a mind complication in Nicodemus when Jesus said, for God so loved the world. I think the customs of the day that were, God loves Israel, God loves the Jew, got smashed and destroyed whenever Jesus said, for God so loved the world, Betty. They thought God was just their Messiah. God was just going to send their king and, and separate them from Roman oppression. But no, when Jesus told Nicodemus at that late moment in that night, when Nicodemus slipped out and met Jesus by a campfire, and he said, God so loved. And then he said, you must be born of water and of spirit. What he was saying was, anyone that believes on Jesus has found the right path. And I'm going to make them born anew. And Nicodemus, not understanding this, he said, what do you, what do you mean? How can, how can somebody being old be born of their mother again? And he's like, no, no. How are you a man of great understanding in the scriptures, and yet you do not understand. Isn't it interesting how people can have all the Bible knowledge in their head and still miss the beauty of the love of God sometimes? He said, no, Nicodemus, you don't understand. You, have, you must be born of water and of spirit to see the kingdom of heaven. And so God loves you so much that if you've been encountering God's love at all through anyone here or any anything that you've ever experienced, if God reached through somebody to reach to you, he wants you to be born again of water and of spirit because he won't leave you where he found you. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me, Jesus? There's a power in this room that's bigger than I can even understand. 
because your love is greater than my mind can concept. And I, I love that verse where you said in the Old Testament, God, that you remember that we are dust. You remember that all we have is this life. I'm praying over this congregation right now through this prayer and asking God that you would remind us that our five senses cannot comprehend the depth of your love. Our five senses cannot reach to the, the height of your love, God. And that you only, God, have love that is patient and love that is kind and love that doesn't envy and love that doesn't boast and it's not proud and it does not dishonor. Your love is so so amazing that it's not self-seeking and it's not easily angered. God, you're not angry at any one of us, but you love us so much that you offered new birth, new life through the power of Jesus Christ to be revealed through the, the fact that the church can pray and seek God and see his spirit fall on each of us and see God move and keeping us from wrong you have helped us love does not delight in evil it rejoices in truth and so I pray that the truth would be revealed hear me today as as we're praying and in a mind of prayer if you haven't asked God to forgive you of your sins God rejoices in truth would you bow your heads with me right now would you pray Jesus would you forgive me of my sins would you set me free right now as I've seen and heard your love today would you say that would you forgive my sins would you let your love be real in my life and would you fill me with the Holy Ghost and would you let me walk with you would you pray that prayer And I believe that you have started down the road of a walk with God. I'd love to teach you more, but we don't have time today. But if you know that God loves you, would you lift a hand toward heaven? If you prayed a prayer of repentance, would you just lift your hands? and begin to worship God. I believe that he heard you and he has forgiven your sins. I believe that. I believe that you have, if this is your first time of praying that prayer, that you've begun the prayer, the walk with God, that you're going to continue to see. And now you need to be born anew and afresh in Jesus Christ. And and we can show you how to do that because the love of God was in our life and he instructed us and he helped us to find that too as well protects us. It always trusts, always hopes.